Welcome to Study Buddy, meditation philosophy for the heart of your practice. Namaste, everyone. Welcome. Good to see you all. Shout out today here to Shoshone Temple. So great to see you and to be a part of the temple scene. Thanks for being here. Roseanne, how's it going? Welcome. Cool. Yogita, doing well? Saw that picture of you and Brat recently. That was cool. Well, tonight's Sutra, <clears throat> Sutra 3.13, is, is really expansive, and it has to do with re-understanding the nature of freedom and independence and power. These are all normally things that the small self uh, has a very particular understanding of. Freedom looks like this. Uh, independence feels and looks like this. Uh, this sutra promises freedom, independence, and power, <laughs> except it's not in the small self definition. And so for us to understand, to grasp what it's promising us, we'll have to do some practice, we'll have to do some work, um, some unpacking and some feeling inside to sort of bring it all together so that we can actually draw from the sutra uh, what it has to give us. So with that, we'll begin with a little bit of movement practice just to get settled into our seat and to physically move ourselves into the present. So we'll just start with some really simple um, centering so we can really feel inside. It's so easy with the complexity of the sutras to get um, in the thinking mind. And I've found it so very helpful and fruitful and fun um, to uh, really feel as um, I hear Satyam speaking as I read these things myself. So let's try that together. Um, start by just gently closing the eyes if that feels comfortable and do a little scan of the body. Feel the weight of the pelvis and the legs on your cushion or chair. And then start to witness the breath flow. And let the breath be natural, but become very interested in the sensations of the breath. Filling the body naturally, gently. And then releasing from the body. And as you feel these sensations of the breath, notice the edges of your physical boundaries, your skin. Notice that sense of the breath filling you and expanding these walls of skin. And then the gentle softening the edges of your being as you exhale. If you feel up for juggling one more ball, 
as you witness the breath, as you feel the edges of your body, start to just gently shift in place. Just rocking from side to side and let this movement start at the legs. So as you push down into the left leg, feel how the body naturally starts to sway to the right. And then try the same thing with the right leg. Notice if you're moving really fast or intensely and see if you can slow down pretty dramatically and feel that subtle chain reaction, the downward pressure, the gentle even engagement of the leg into the hip, the tipping of the pelvis and how the spine just follows. Don't have to make it happen. Feel that natural ripple effect through the body. Shifting weight, the edges of the skin. Start to notice the space within. This is three-dimensional body, gently, sweetly moving through space. And let the movement get a little more organic. So instead of just going side to side, try gently rolling forward into the side, making subtle circles. Go the opposite direction and move even slower. Let the movement start to get so small that it's imperceptible to an outside eye, but you can feel these micro shifts. For the last moment, just Imagine instead of moving from side to side, all of the movement is just up and down the spine, helping you be all yet soft and unobstructed so energy can flow. From this embodied place, we'll shift towards the sutra. Siddha Svatantra Baba. Say it to yourself like a mantra. Siddha Svatantra Baba. Siddha Svatantra Baba. The state of absolute dependent, the state of absolute independence is already achieved. The state of absolute independence is already achieved. So we've got a couple of key words in there that you might recognize. Siddha, um, 
So Siddha is how we often refer to our lineage teachers, and it means achieved, um, you know, realized, achieved, someone who's achieved the state. And then Svatantra, Svatantra Baba, uh, specifically. Svatantra Baba means absolute independence in this sutra. But we've encountered the word Svatantra a couple of times throughout the sutras. In fact, it was right there in Sutra 1.1 um, right away uh, in our explorations when we started this whole journey. In 1.1, it was said, from earth to Anasrita Shiva, all beings are dependent on the conscious being, Shiva. The singularly unique aspect of Lord Shiva is complete independence, Svatantriya. This complete independence is not found anywhere except in the state of Lord Shiva. Take a moment on your own with that quote. Pretty cool how the sutras break it down for us. It really helps, you know, it just clarifies certain aspects. So for example, here, Everything in manifestation, from the lowest tattva of the earth to the highest tattva of Shiva, um, all of manifestation is dependent on Shiva. Okay, so everything that exists is dependent upon Shiva. The only thing that is not dependent upon something else, which we would say is completely independent, is Shiva. And this is called is Svatantriya Shakti, the power. This complete independence cannot be found anywhere else. That's a pretty big deal. Cannot be found. In the sutras, it says, like, because if it could be found somewhere else, then that thing would also be Shiva, right? It's this like logic problem. So we ask ourselves, well, how do I become free? Well, the small self that you may ask that from initially can't, by definition. If you're not connecting with your higher state, you're bound. That's what the sutras tell us all, all along. All the suffering that we go through in our lives is because we're, we're not connecting with Shiva. And when we do, we find this freedom that we never could find outside of us anyway. And so you might also remember the word Svatantriya from Sutra 2.7. That was the really long sutra that went through every letter in the Sanskrit alphabet. That was a really big deal. It was like 70 pages. That was a, a lot of work. Anyway. So Svatantriya came up in that sutra as well. Um, what we saw in that sutra, I'm just skip, just give you something to look at. Oh, okay. What we saw in that sutra, just ignore the text for a moment. Um, 
was that the first letter of the Sanskrit alphabet, a, uh, represents your most limited initial perception of reality. And the last letter of the Sanskrit alphabet, huh, like the breath, huh, um, represented the highest possible experience of reality, Shiva. Akshman Yu goes on to say, you can't even recite this letter, it can only be experienced. Sort of a side note. And we're told in that sutra that if you were to put the first letter together with the last letter, you can actually conjure <laughs> the entire power, the, the power of the entire Sanskrit alphabet. Sounds a little bit like a metaphor to me. You know, uh, I tried it, you know, I didn't, walls did not fall down. But nonetheless, it's a it's an idea and it, and it does come up. Okay, so we've got the uh, huh. And then Lakshmanju tells us because we may never know this linguistically for Sanskrit. He says, how can you combine the first and the last letter? He says, linguistically, actually, you, you can't. Um, he says, you can, however, unite them by means of taking them in one point. That one point is Anushvara, the letter M or M. So the letters A uh and H and M, when combined in one point, become Aham. It's not a term we use a lot, but it represents this Shiva experience. Something we do use a lot that you're actually really familiar with is that same principle is what makes the Om sound uh, possible. In similar fashion, we have the a uh sound and the a and the u letters, and they are also combined by this m sound. And so this single point is able to combine these two separate experiences. What's interesting is even when you make the m sound, go ahead and try it. it your mouth almost comes to that single point. Your sound comes to that single point. So it really is like a single point. Why that's interesting, why that's practical and, and helpful is because it, it shows us how like surrender works. You've got these two different things. Your initial perception of reality, personality, all that stuff that we are, and the Shiva experience of reality. It can't even be recited, it can only be experienced. How do these two things ever go together? And the text is sort of telling us in an artful way, and also a practical way, we'll see in a second. They can come together only through a single point of focus. So it's not about rejecting both things. It's not about trying to hold on to both things. It's about doing a practice that literally allows the both things to be combined into one singular experience. You know, Babaji often says in recent satsangs, he said many times, riding the wave, right? What's that mean? It means like there's this wave crashing. There's this wave of shakti that's constantly curling. You can't stop the wave. You know, you don't want to just get pummeled by it, but you can ride it. You can ride that single point on the wave with practice. And so I thought we could do a little rolling ohm practice together and then uh, some time for comments and questions. 
And what the rolling ohm practice gives you a chance to do is you get to make your sound, okay? You get to make that sound that's your sound while simultaneously trying to feel where's this sound coming from? Trying to feel something finer and something higher than the sound. You got to make your sound, but you also have to feel those two things together. That's that surrender, that single point of focus. So let's do it for a couple of minutes. Practice our philosophy, right? Just take a moment to notice the feeling of that single point, which is your experience right now. It might not be perfection, but it's significantly different than our normal 
perception of reality. And take a moment now to reflect a little bit and hopefully you have a little pen and paper or you can always try to do it mentally, I guess. Just how would you describe that process of going from making the sound to trying to hear or feel that higher experience of the sound? How do you reach from the small to the infinite? What are you doing in your practice that makes that real? Just take a moment on your own with that. And since your mics aren't on, you know, you can even just try it a couple of times with that question in mind. to give everybody time you know to reflect a lot of us if you're a introvert you know you need that quiet time to actually reflect so are there any, any initial comments or questions and i'm going to leave the quiet going you know of course but about how we're reaching from this first letter to the last letter through your practice what does that mean to you dharma go for it um i'm reminded of that discussion from a while ago about like i think it was about rings or it was about circles yeah, yeah, yeah. that one comes up a lot for me um maybe because it's an interesting visual way to think of it but i guess i'm imagining a similar correlation between that first letter which was described as the more uh kind of gross level and then that experience of almost a the unpronounceable and um, just just kind of making a connection between those two ideas. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like you, you start where you're at and you know you're going towards something finer and something smaller that requires that, that closing in of the, the rings of awareness. Yeah, that's, and it's great to bring, to bring that aspect of the sutras up because that's exactly what those rings of awareness are trying to get us to do to like accomplish something on this level and that'll help us get to this next level you know like stillness of the body smoothness of the breath feeling of vibration just like these rings that carry us in it's hard to go from everything to nothing and that rolling home practice it's like you can really feel where it starts and where it leads you by the end it's almost like it's giving you a shot like so many opportunities to do that over and over little by little Radharani 
Um, what comes up for me is uh, the vibration of the sound and being really present with it. I think being present is what um, helps me with the experience and be pre being present with the vibration and how it changes from the ah, uh, it's open. And then to get to that mm, at the end, everything closes, it's more internal. Mm -hmm. So you go from something that is like open until you can, I can almost feel the vibration in, inside my mouth, like between my teeth. Mm. And then it disappears, but that tingling stays. And that, so kind of like focusing on those vibrations really brings it. And the feeling of coming from open or uh, like more external, I guess, to the internal disappearing inside of the sound. So that kind of made it. Thank you. That was really, I love that poetic ending, the, the internal disappearing side of the sound. It's beautiful. It's exactly how it feels. There were a lot of nods when you were talking. I think a lot of people really identified with that, how you honed in on the, the vibration being a tool, going from out to in, from big to small. This is, you know, once we start to observe our practice a little, you become more skillful at it, you know, hearing Gaudarani describe that is going to make each of us a better practitioner in the very next time we do this, you know, it'll just like, it's a, it's a refining. I think no matter how long we practice, we're always going to come back to rolling ohms. <laughs> Baba loves them. Everybody loves the rolling ohms. It's the first and the last practice, it seems like, you know, which is cool for this part of the speaking. Oh, power cord about to lose power. <laughs> it's the big one. Sorry. I think my Achilles heel is all these power cords. Any other questions or comments before we move on to the next aspect of the sutra? Go for it, Megan. Um, I just, the letters, it made me think a lot about Hamsa and like reading a little bit about that and just like the H and the M and the A, or sorry, mm -hmm. A sound and the M. Um, and just like how that's like, like the space in between the hum and saw and like that point. I don't know, I just feel like that there's some kind of correlation maybe between the two. Perfect, yeah, the, the, the space between those would definitely be a, a, a moment that would represent this single point. Wow, that's a great observation. And it's so, it aligns so well because that point can't be forced, right? We're, we're told every time that practice comes up, you can't hold your breath to experience that point between the breaths, right? You just have to be there for it. It's excellent observation. Hey, Jagamati. Enjoyed seeing your daughter jumping in the puddles. That was really cute with her grandma. Yeah. 
Cool. Well, let's transition to the, the next aspect of this sutra. So, correct. Shakti power. Okay. So, got a really um, fun visualization to help us understand the process of going from that first letter of the alphabet to the last, or from your initial experience of reality to a Shiva level experience. Um, it's the, the image is like going up a down escalator. Has anybody done that here? Have you ever tried to walk up a down escalator? It's really fun, right? <laughs> I mean, it really is definitively. So as you know, I'm going up a down escalator. If you stop walking, you simply arrive back at the bottom where you started, right? And just walking a little bit keeps you sort of in one spot. In fact, you have to walk pretty briskly to make, to make progress up that down escalator. And that briskness does not ever really stop. It just becomes what you have to do if you actually want to reach the top. Uh, may none of us have to do that in a hurry because it is truly exhausting. It's a pretty big deal. Now, a lot of the time, a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of us, you know, we're not even on the escalator, okay? We're distracted by the food court and the shops at the ground level. But this last year, as we've all been, you know, we've talked about in Satsang many times, um, those shops were closed. The food courts were closed. Um, so we all had a little bit of a reason to walk up the, the down escalator. That's the only escalator going up, by the way. There is the, the one going up is closed. It's, off. it's, it's broken. So, so we've all been given this opportunity this last year to do this because we've had less pull on us. And boy, you know, Baba said it so many times and it's really been, it's been real. It's been a real blessing. I, I just can't, you know, I'm never going to say the year itself was, you know, a blessing. There's been a lot of loss, but to our practice, uh, it has been a, a boost. I'll just put it that simply. Um, and I'm grateful to have, to have had the opportunity. You know, a lot of people may not have had that opportunity. Um, but now that things are opening back up, you sort of can feel that pull of the ground floor shopping, right? You can feel it. And there's even times, it's happened to me. I don't know if it's happened to you, but there's definitely been times when I've been like, uh, I, it's been so long since I've even had to make that choice. I might make that choice a little unconsciously and be like, whoa, uh, I slipped a little there. Like my practice slipped. I slipped. I could feel I got a little exhausted or a little spun out, you know, because I haven't even had to make that choice in a while. And I'm going, oh, you still, you have to make this choice. But as always, Babaji tells us, you know, it's not about being perfect. It's about recognizing, you know, where your energy's going and using it to inspire you to do your practice. And so this sutra has this quote that I'm about to pull up on the screen that I, it just struck me. And I was like, wow, 
never really heard it said like that. It really, it felt so current the way that they put it, but that we're, we're seeking a way, we're seeking ownership of our practice. I don't care if the shops are open or the shops are closed. That's not why I'm walking up the, the escalator here. Now, I'm walking up because I want to grow, not because it's convenient, but because I really want this thing. And so here's how the sutra put it for us. This was said by the great yogi Sri Natapada. You must own that energy of absolute independence, which is really the energy of Bhairava. You must own that energy, absolute independence, which is really the energy of Bhairava. Bhairava being another word for Shiva. You must own your practice. So let's just do a minute or two of mantra right now and just play with this concept of really owning your mantra. You're not doing it because I'm saying to do it. You're not doing it because there's gold at the end of the rainbow. You're doing it because you own it. You know there's something here that you need and it's not because it's convenient. It's, you're not gonna quit because it's hard. You're in it. So let's just try it, play with it inside feel where this lands for you. Om Namah Shivaya 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 Now continue at your own pace, your own volume, whatever that is, and own it. Own your mantra.
for a moment. You must own that energy of absolute independence, which is really the energy of Bhairava. I want to explore this for just another minute or two together. And from this state of just observing the breath, I want you to imagine, you know, that you are truly independent. Imagine like you are a murti of Shiva sitting. And whatever thoughts come up, those thoughts represent something that you're reaching out to get, something you want, something you desire, something maybe you're stressed about. For just another minute or two, I want you to imagine yourself completely and absolutely free of those desires, that there's absolutely nothing you need in the entire world, nothing, except for your breath in this one moment. And just play with that possibility. Own it. Absolutely nothing has any power over you in this moment. The energy of absolute independence, Shiva. Now that is something you can really play with. You can really play with that. That's real. So how would you describe the experience of, of what you played with there, what you felt, the experience of absolute independence? You know, this could be a fun moment to just type a keyword in the chat box. It's a fun way for everybody to participate. Mm -hmm. Do the keyword in the chat box. How you would describe the feeling of absolute independence. Unbothered. Expansive. Surrender. Surrender. Liberating.
compassion, separate, serene, silent. It means a lot coming from a musician. Calm, firm, inner focus. Thanks, everyone. Other ways to work with this throughout the week, you know, as you as you like, is asking yourself, like, how do I, how do I know I'm going up? How do I know I'm going up at any given moment in my day? You know, if you're depending on outside things to inform you, in that case, you're probably going to get pulled out. Sort of like only inside can you have this ownership of your practice. Because it's not about being great at it. It's just about doing it over time, right? So how do you know you're practicing in any given moment? Cooking, cleaning, driving, relationships. What are you working with? So oh, a fun way to bring it into your life. Anyone right away, just something comes up for them about that, you're welcome to, you know, chime in. Don't feel like I have to ask the question or anything. Oh, where, Bob? <clears throat> yep. Um, we, uh, in Anandi's class, uh, we were talking about the ohm sound a lot the last, last uh, time. And, and when you mentioned, you know, the feeling at the end of the M, there's kind of a, a feeling that you get as the M ends if you kind of let it stretch out, you'll feel kind of an ascending energy. For me, it feels like it's back and up going to the top of my head at the end of the M. And if you listen for it, there is a ringing that you're not creating well, at least the, how I experience it is there's a vibration and I experience it as a ringing sound up there where that M is ending. And for me, listening for that, whatever I'm doing is my, is my connection to that place. Nice. If anybody, if you haven't tried it already, just, you know, it's fun to feel for that, the end of that M sound. Ascending is a really helpful description, Bob. Thanks. Mm -hmm. 
I um, really liked the question of like, how do you know you're on the escalator? And um, I really had to like dig in, sigh, what is the indicator for me? Like, which direction am I going? And um, it's kind of cool because the way that we started our class um, with, with really trying to like feel inside. And I don't mean like, you know, being in touch with my feelings, <laughs> um, but really just being present in inside whatever's going on. And I notice, like in anything I do, like even if I'm teaching, you know, I teach a lot and it's like I can get externalized. It can get caught up in, in the information or connecting with people. And as soon as I like feel like just, it's like this instantaneous thing. Like I can just feel my heart. And then all of a sudden I notice like, oh, I have more, I can conserve my energy better, you know, and I can also do the, the teaching better. And, and I, I feel that really subtle shift of being able to do the exact same activity, but just um, being more conscious for it. And even like a really fun thing, like um, once a week, Satyam and I go for a hike in this beautiful jungly area and the, the birds are always chirping and it's misty and magical. And um, it's at, at the end of, you know, a really, really busy day. And sometimes I'm like not totally there for it. And then if I just stop and I like feel for just a moment, it, it just shifts everything. Um, and I know that when I'm in that place, I am able to like surrender my tensions I'm able to do everything um with a higher perspective so for me it, it really is that that feeling of the present moment that um allows me to know I'm like using my practice and I'm conscious and I'm on the, the escalator so to speak sounds like also, it's like, it's about stopping something, feeling something come to a stop. Oh. Well, anyway, I guess they could, I don't know if you could hear me. Yeah. It also, I, can you guys hear me? Oh, yeah. It, that I just, what I felt in there too is like how a part of the process is feeling yourself like dropping. And, you know, that sometimes for me, it's like I can feel like it's hard to really like arrive, like feel, but it's like I can like stop talking, like stop walking, and then suddenly like, ah, mm -hmm. open drop. Just felt like another aspect of that scene. Yeah. any other hands yeah tashi and yogita hi can you hear me yeah yeah Probably. great okay. uh cool yeah so i was i was sort of thinking about this and uh, one of the main ways i think i know that um i'm on the escalator going up or i'm walking into a shop uh that would be my reaction to a challenge um, generally. So not like 
whether or not I do well with it, but more about energetically how I can use a challenge to grow. Um, like, you, you know, opening up to the feeling of what's brought up from a challenge for me, uh, like, or a problem, like something that's hard to handle, you know, like, uh, Yes, the soup burns and you have to figure out what to do. You know, and <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're kind of like, you know, either way the soup is burned and that's not, you know, that's not going to change, but, uh, you know, how I can, how my inner state is affected by, by that kind of challenge. Just dealing with that for another moment. So it's like the, it, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, I hope, but like the, the reactivity to a certain, to a, to something indicates sort of where you're at and like helps you gauge, like, I got to buckle down. Like I just freaked out, you know, it's like, whoa, whoa. You know, and I think people do that. They're like, you, you see yourself do that and you, you do force that you take that next breath and walk a little slower bend your knees, you know, get into your legs and into your feet. So it's like judge, like helping yourself see which direction you're going by the reactivity of a situation that that's uh, on track of what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you were to put it in one word, reactivity would totally, that does it. Yeah. Yeah. And that came up in a couple of sutras ago when they were, the sutra was telling us the way to get free of this, reoccurring script that keeps being written and rewritten and rewritten by us is to stop reacting to it because when we react to it we rewrite it over and over and over and the only way is to like in the sutra it told us to become to observe to become the audience to become a spectator and to just observe it which of course we're told by all of our teachers you know but it was just another way of visualizing but um but that was a, a key part of our growth. And so when we see a lot of reactivity, <laughs> we're sliding, right? It's like, it's almost like, you, you almost feel like you're going down the escalator. Thanks, Tashi, that was awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Yogita, did you wanna offer a few words here at the end of class, it looks like? Okay. Um, well, you ask how we know that we're going up or how we, well, because you get a different perspective. You let go of what was down on that first floor. And as you go up, you start seeing new things. And so that, that was my answer to how uh, you know you're going up. You're letting go of one floor and opening up to another one. And you get a, a different perspective on on life, on your problems. That's all I wanted to say. I'd love to hear, like, when you, as you work with, if you choose to work with this sutra over the next couple of weeks, uh, an example of that would be fun. I'd like to see, because I'm always curious, you know, because in the moment, it's, it'd be cool to hear if there was anything in particular where you did that and you saw a new possibility. I, I'd be interested to check in with you in two weeks because we're not done with the sutra. There was a, 
third part of it. So we're gonna we're gonna pick up where we left off next in two weeks from now. Um, and so for everybody, you know, it could be really fun to work with. How are you owning your practice? How are you feeling yourself going up that escalator? How are you bringing it to one-pointedness in your practice? These are all things that can help you explore that. And I, I really wanted to leave a little bit more time for this, and I didn't. So if you guys have to go, go. But I, I want to take a moment to say I'm going to be posting something on Song of Friends um, about us being able to have a little bit of conversation like this outside of class as we're working with the sutures over the weeks on an app called Marco Polo. And um, it's it's a video messaging app where you can like leave a little video message and we're gonna be um, posting prompts, like one prompt or so between study buddy sessions. And you can just sort of like, you know, feel with it and it keeps you sort of engaged with the text. Um, I know Radharani was saying previously like, she learns most about this after the class, you know, when she tries to put it into practice. Um, and so that's an attempt for us to keep this dialogue going, keep it fresh. Um, and so I'm going to post in Saga Friends a little bit more specifically about that, like what is the app called? And, uh, you know, I'll try to make it really easy for everybody to understand, but it will be really fun to see you guys um, in that setting and you can do it on your own time. So I'll leave it at that. Keep your eyes peeled for Saga Friends. But, uh, Song of friends and study buddies. So coming <laughs> together as one. And namaste, everyone. Thank you again for such a special class. Really grateful. Eric, good to see you. Thanks for joining. Super cool. Have a great night, everyone.